Hello, fellow Journey class members. Uh, when we when we were in Israel, uh, every day our tour guy would say, "Good morning, brothers and sisters." So I've kind of uh, tried to do that uh, in my text, call everybody brothers and sisters in our class. And uh, my name is Steve Fleischman. I'm the pastor of the Journey class. It's our adult Bible fellowship in uh, Heartland Baptist Fellowship. And hopefully in a couple weeks we'll be able to meet in person. So we only got a couple more weeks to do this. And uh, I'm uh, here coming to you live from Raymore, Missouri. This is uh, Silver Lake behind me. And uh, we've got a couple dogs running around. You might see them from time to time. And my wife's the uh, producer here. And so uh, she's got her phone. She'll be looking at your text. So please acknowledge when you log in and uh, anyway we're going to have a study about the book of Ruth tonight and next Sunday this is another two-part series I did a two-part series on uh, the 12 disciples and then uh, Jim taught last week on the Apostle Paul and uh, but yeah hopefully it doesn't rain it's a little bit windy so my pages may be blowing around but uh, I'll be looking at my computer and Hopefully it's not strong enough wind that the uh, wind won't blow my computer. But anyway, we think we've got our sound issues resolved. Uh, the little packet had two microphones, and I think we maybe stepped on one or pulled it by the cord. And anyway, I think we threw it away. So we're using the second one with an extension. So hopefully you can hear me okay. I guess let let Angie know uh, if you cannot. So. I'm going to uh, give some announcements right now. Pastor Brian uh, still emails uh, the pastors some announcements, so I'll give you uh, his as well as a couple of mine. And if you have any prayer requests, please uh, let Angie know, and we'll we'll pray for them here in just a minute. But I uh, hope you're having a good Memorial Day weekend as we uh, honor our fallen uh, service members who died for our country in various wars. Uh, I know David or David uh, Brian Parrott. He had uh, sent me a, a video that was very touching. I, I can't. I apologize, Brian. I just don't have the technology to play it for everybody. It was, you know, Amazing Grace uh, instrumental. Uh, playing Amazing Grace. So, yeah. And it, it was just some touching videos of uh, fallen soldiers and uh, their their loved ones weeping over them. So uh, this is Memorial Weekend. Hopefully you get some time off tomorrow. Do remember that uh, the church office is closed. So uh, our office staff have the day off as well. <clears throat> Next Sunday... I think that's the 31st. Is that right, Angie? 31st next Sunday. We will only have one service. Uh, it's at 10:30, and uh, we're going to. I think Brother Bob Hall may be preaching. I could be wrong about that. That's what I'm thinking. So we may have a guest preacher at 10:30, and we are going to focus on the Lord's Supper. We, if you remember right, we missed the last Lord's Supper due to the coronavirus. And so we are going to observe that next Sunday, the 31st of May. Um, and I think I'm going to probably have one more session like this uh, from my home on the remainder of the Book of Ruth. This is a two-part series we're doing tonight. Uh, then, uh, Church in the Park. June 7th, we'll have one service then as well. It's at 10 o'clock, so don't miss don't uh, miss the time. It's 10.30 next week and 10 o'clock on the 7th. And so I'm going to try to get there early. We're going to have a tent set up. We'll have some live music, live preaching. Uh, we'll have some prepared food at the end, uh, some prepackaged things. We won't be grilling out like normal, but we are going to give some food. Uh, so we can fellowship, and uh, I'll have my Life Issues tent. Uh, Brother Jim Stovall's got a tent. So look for Jim and I's tent and set up with us if you want to. 
And so uh, look for us. Brian wants us to know that step two of reopening is we plan to can uh, we're hoping to have childcare in June, so that'll be June 14th. They're supposed to, uh, Governor Parsons at the end of this week is going to give what the guidelines for Missouri are, and so we're hoping to be ready the first uh, week of June. We'll we'll share some more specifics about that. We we intend to open Fun in the Sun on Wednesday, June 10th. Uh, Sunday children's ministry on the 14th so uh, anyway we're hoping to uh, have child care available uh, June the 10th Wednesday night as well as June the 14th on a Sunday morning and hopefully that's when we'll go back to nine o'clock uh, adult Bible fellowships and so hopefully we can meet in the library on the 14th another important announcement is the word first Bible publishing uh, there's I don't know if you've heard about the Sierra Leone project. I believe that's a country in Africa, if I'm not mistaken. We actually had one of their soldiers at our uh, vision conference or our Bible conference a couple, couple years ago. And uh, so we've stayed connected with them. We, are, we just had 5,000 complete Bibles printed, and we're going to be assembling them in the next few months. So you'll hear some more announcements about that. I think we have to be done by the 1st of August, so 5,000 Sierra Leone whole Bibles, and don't ask me what that language is, I'm not totally sure. Uh, we did receive a donation uh, of 10% of the monies needed to make and ship these Bibles, so... Um, some reason I'm thinking two or three dollars a buy. It may be like a ten thousand dollar project, and some uh, it's not even a member of our church gave ten percent of that uh, for the production of these Bibles. So, if you want to help uh, get these Bibles to Sierra Leone, uh, Leone, uh, please uh, mark that on your uh, donation envelopes, and you you can designate uh, Sierra Leone. And, uh, okay, so a little bit of bad news. Uh, some of you may know Carl Silva. He was one of two of the primary uh, missionary pastors in India. Uh, he died this last week, uh, Carl Silva. He's, he's been deathly ill for some time. It's not related to the virus. And uh, he came to our church at least once. And so I heard him speak, although I don't know him personally. But uh, he is a Greater Grace missionary out of Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, he was one of he. His area was over half of the country of India. So this was a giant of the faith, a godly man, and so we're going to pray for his uh, family and uh, loved ones in just a minute. And also, uh, I don't know if you heard, but Ravi Zacharias died this week, this last week. And he was a giant of the faith as well. And uh, just most famous for being an apologist to defending the faith. He, he is also a native uh, Indian. And so, uh, Carl Silva and Ravi Zacharias. And so he had a very famous uh, national program on uh, Bot Radio and you could hear him in lots of uh, colleges and just a great influence at college campuses. And So, um, one more announcement and then we'll go to prayer. But uh, the Lord's Supper, <clears throat> uh, Brian wants us to know that the church is packaged. They have purchased some pre-packaged elements. And if you are not able to attend next Sunday, you can pick up uh, some of the individually wrapped packages from t Tuesday through Friday of this week so that you can partake next Sunday online with us. So if you're going to attend the service, we'll have the elements there to distribute. And uh, Angie and I will be there. But if you don't plan to come next Sunday and you'd like to observe the Lord's Supper with us, you can pick up the package, prepackaged elements and take them to your home and uh, have them ready next Sunday as uh, the uh, the worship service is uh, virtual, and you can partake with those of us that are going to be present. So, <clears throat> anyway, I know we've got a few prayer requests. Uh, 
Pam's mother, uh, Pam Jackson's mother, has been uh, ill, and Pam is concerned for her. And uh, my wife's dad has been in the hospital with an infection, but he's better. I believe he's home now, isn't he, honey? Yep. And uh, my mother-in-law thanked us for the prayers on Friday night. And uh, I know the parents are burdened for their children. And so we'll lift up Brian and Angie's uh, children, Caleb and Connor, uh, his niece, Jamie. And I think Brian's mother is uh, pretty ill as well. And so we'll pray for them. We'll pray for uh, the, the family of the deceased that I mentioned, as well as uh, Dottie's continued healing. Is there any other uh, prayer requests come in, honey? Okay. I think she says we've got about 500 people live right now listening. So, or five. Oh, maybe it's five. Maybe I misunderstood her. So, all right. Well, let's go to the Lord of Prayer. Uh, hopefully, you've got the Book of Ruth open. We're going to look at that here tonight, and um, let's just go to the Lord in prayer right here in the outdoors at Raymore, Missouri. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we do bow our heads and hearts. We acknowledge you in all our ways, and Father, we uh, thank you for this beautiful weather and just holding back the rain so I can be outside here and um, pray for a sweet time here in your word. Father, we do thank you for our church that uh, believes and preaches the word of God and thank you for the Bible, Lord, that we can have and hold it and, and study it. And so uh, I pray that uh, your word will go forth uh, in truth tonight. I pray uh, it'll fall on obedient ears and Lord, we want to intercede on behalf of uh, Brian and Angie parents, parents, children, and lift up uh, Caleb for employment and him and Keeley's uh, livelihood. We uh, pray you'll just provide for them. And for Connors, he's um, not in the home right now. We pray that you'll just make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way to get him home and complete his time, uh, the children's home in Marshall. And Lord, for uh, Jamie, for her... Uh, kidney issue, Lord. Uh, maybe it's her liver. I, I forget right now. So, Lord, just uh, pray her continued healing of her body. And down in Texas, we lift her up by name to you. We pray for Brian's mother as she has uh, some complications in her health. And, Lord, we pray for Dottie's continued healing. We thank you for her successful surgery and pray she can be back in our midst soon. And, Lord, uh, I'm just personally grieved to the loss of Carl Silva and Ravi Zacharias as they were uh, <clears throat> influenced my life. Uh, Lord, we lift up uh, their widows, their family, their friends, uh, the people they influenced in their life. I, I know they uh, finished well and they have a life well lived. And So Lord, may there be uh, uh, one or more people just come to backfill them and pick up the uh, mantle and uh, carry forth. And so, Lord, uh, bless this time now in your word. Um, be with me. Just help steady my mind. And uh, we love you. Thank, thank you for all the soldiers uh, serve our country. I pray you, you keep them safe. And uh, bless those that are left behind. Uh, they might uh, be comforted by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh <clears throat> Just by way of introduction to the book of Ruth. Hold on just a second here. There it is. I was having trouble finding my notes here. I was panicking. So I heard this week, you know, we're focusing on discipleship. And I heard this week that there's really two things for us to... Um, two keys to help us be successful disciples. And I want to give you those two keys, and uh, kind of a light bulb came on in my mind when I heard them. One was to walk in the Spirit. If we're going to be uh, successful disciples or followers of Christ, we're going to have to learn to walk in the Spirit. That means dying to self. Uh, we don't fulfill the lust of our flesh when we walk in the Spirit. We're, we're being controlled by the Spirit. We're being led by the Spirit, and uh, we're walking in agreement with the Lord. And, uh, of course, that's uh, Galatians 5.16. that says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
and so uh, we know that our carnal nature is contrary to the things of God. So the first thing to be a good disciple, we need to walk in the Spirit. And the second is to search the Scriptures daily. And that's what the Bereans did. It says in uh, Acts 17, 10 through 12, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men not a few. And so the result of them searching the scriptures daily is that many believed. Many came to belief on, on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says uh, there were some honorable women that did that, and of men, not, a, not just a few, there were many. And so as we walk in the Spirit, we search the Scriptures, <clears throat> Jesus says to learn of me. He says in Matthew 11, this is one of my favorite uh, passages, in Matthew 11, Jesus it's called the Great Invitation. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <clears throat> and so one of the ways we can learn about Christ, one of the ways we can search the Scriptures, one of the ways we can uh, get in tune with the Spirit of God is to study typology. And that, that may sound like uh, a big word to you, and um, <clears throat> but uh, in Romans 5.14, the Bible says about Adam, you know, Adam and Eve, he says that Adam is the figure of him that was to come. And that word figure comes from uh, the Greek word tupos, which is where we get our word type. And so we conclude from that that Adam was a type of Christ, right? He, uh, uh, in fact, Jesus is called the last Adam. And so uh, as we think about typology, it comes from the Greek word tupos, uh, and that word is translated... Uh, in sample, it's translated print, it's translated figure, as we just said, it's translated example, or pattern, or fashion, or manner, or form. And so, uh, those of you around my age, you remember when we had typewriters, right? Uh, you probably didn't know this, but my mother was a typing teacher. And she was actually my teacher in high school for a little while. Uh, she was a substitute, I think. I don't think she was my full time, but she taught for 18 years at a little town in Iowa, and uh, she substituted some when I was in high school. And and uh, so, if you think about a typewriter, you know it it actually has a ribbon of ink, and it uses you know a, a metal hammer to strike a white paper, and it leaves a print. It leaves this type. And so the hammer with the letter that's, uh, it's either embossed or debossed, I forget which is, that as it hits the ribbon and the paper and makes that print, the, uh, the black letter on the white page is called the type. And so the hammer is called the anti-type. So anyway, that's a little bit of, uh, semantics maybe, but, uh, so we're going to look at a type of Jesus Christ so we can search the scriptures and learn about Christ by looking at a type of Christ tonight and uh, that is Boaz and Ruth and so we're going to see next week that Ruth is a type of the church she's a Gentile bride of Boaz this kinsman redeemer and so uh, if you haven't heard of uh, this sort of thing before uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it when I came to Christ I, I started seeing that Joseph was a type of Christ. Uh, he married a Gentile bride as well, and uh, he was second in command under Pharaoh, just like Christ is second part of the Trinity. And uh, we see uh, Moses was a great type of Christ. He's the deliverer. He's the lawgiver. He married a Gentile bride. We uh, 
we see uh, Noah, Noah and the ark, and there was only one way into the ark, just like there's only one way into Christ. And as the days of Noah are, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So all these are Old Testament types that we can glean and learn uh, the multifacets of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So uh, in the book of Ruth, if you'll look at chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to read these first five verses. And uh, I think we're doing good on time so far, even though we're just kind of getting into it. But here in uh, Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chelon, uh, Ephrodites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took uh, them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. And so uh, there's six people here in this uh, entry, uh, introduction to the book of Ruth. We see uh, Elimelech, uh, his two sons, his wife Naomi, and uh, they married two Moabite uh, girls, uh, Orpha and Ruth. And so there's six people, and there's really two other characters that we're going to see uh, in the remainder of the book, uh, one's Boaz, and the other uh, I'll save till next time to share uh, with you uh, who that person is. But uh, it's, it says it's a time when the judges ruled. And if, if you got your Bible, look at the verse right before verse 1, which is the last verse of Judges. The last verse of Judges, it's Judges 21-25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so it was really a time of, of apathy, a time of apostasy. It was kind of chaotic. There was no king. There was not a good structure. And uh, every man uh, did that which was right in his own eyes. So the law wasn't being practiced. Uh, even though God uh, set judges over them, some were good, some were not so good, uh, to help uh, maintain order uh, in society and protect uh, them themselves. But uh, during that time, uh, God carves out this story of the book of Ruth, the time of the judges. Uh, something I read, uh, they believe that the prophet Samuel may have been the actual person to write the book of Ruth. Uh, if if you know your books of the Bible, you know that First Samuel is the very next next book of the Bible. So uh, the time frame lines up that maybe Samuel was the writer. But uh, th- this is only one of two books in your Bible that uh, have the name of a woman. And uh, I'll just give you a candy bar bonus question there to see if you know who the other lady is who. Uh, whose name is one of our books of the Bible. Uh, There's only two total. One's Ruth. And uh, anyway, Ruth is a Moabitess. She is from uh, Moab. And uh, I'll just throw out another candy bar bonus question. What country uh, is Moab now? You can't uh, fly to the country Moab, but uh, if you look at it on the map, where it it was... uh, can you tell me the name of the country that uh, is Moab right now? <clears throat> That'll be a good uh, question. But uh, kind of like uh, Abraham. So Jim Stovall got Esther and then Brian Parrott. And Jim said, I beat the mighty Brian Parrott. And Brian said, Jim looked on my paper. <laughs> so Jim was a little quicker on the buzzer. 
and he told us, told the class that uh, Esther is the other lady's name that uh, is a book of our Bible. And ah, but Brian uh, Parrot got that uh, Moab is modern day Jordan. The it's just to the east of the Dead Sea. And uh, when I was in Israel, uh, we we drove along the uh, Dead Sea on the west side of the Dead Sea, and we could see the mountains over there on the other side, and uh, so we could see where Moab was at. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, those are the same mountains that Moses uh, died on. He was able to look out onto the Promised Land. Uh, maybe from even one of the mountains I could see in the distance, probably not not more than 20 miles away, and probably about 10 miles away. Uh, they were they were fairly mountainous, uh, fairly big mountains. So um, so Elimelech, Naomi's husband, uh, he died uh, shortly, I guess, after they got to Moab, and. Uh, you know, obviously God blessed this venture, but uh, you know sometimes when the going gets tough, we tend to want to cut and run, and we know that ha- has been sinful for some people in the Bible. I, I think uh, Abraham endured a-, a famine, and he he went down into Egypt, and he left the promised land to go into Egypt. That that's not a good move, and. And uh, here we find Elimelech taking his family and leaving the promised land to go into Moab when uh, there was a famine. And uh, also, I wanted you to see there in verse 1, it uses the word sojourn. Uh, and th- that word sojourn, just mean, he just intended to be there a little while during the famine. He just... He just wanted to get away for a little while, but we read in verse 5, I think it was, they were there 10 years. And so sometimes uh, our sin leads us into things that sometimes is not so temporary. I mean, 10 years is a pretty good chunk out of anybody's life. And uh, we, we don't have to go to... Uh, the Greek or Hebrew to know some what some of these words mean. Uh, Psalm 39, I believe this is uh, King David's prayer. He says, "Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee, and a sojourner, as all my fathers were." So he was a stranger and sojourner. So he went to sojourn in this. Land and he was a stranger there to the Moabites. And uh, I think that's the same Hebrew word, uh, stranger as sojourner. So, you know, uh, even in the New Testament, we're called, a pilgrim, we're called pilgrims and sojourners uh, in this life. And so we're, we're just here for a little while. Amen. Uh, if you're listening, say amen right there. My wife said amen. Okay, in verses 6 through 10, uh, Naomi decides to return to Israel. I'm not going to read all these verses. I'm going to try to keep our meeting at at an hour tonight, and I've got quite a bit of material. We're going to cover chapters 1 and 2 tonight, and uh, hopefully 3 and 4 tomorrow, uh, next Sunday night. So we've got a two-part series here, and uh, tonight just focusing more on uh, Boaz than we are on Ruth, but... We've got a good introduction here. She decides after her husband dies and then her two boys die. She doesn't have any grandchildren yet. So she tries to say bye to Orpha and Ruth. And uh, Ruth does return home. And, and, it, and it even says there, Naomi tells her to go home to her, to her house and to her gods. And so there's some false gods there in Moab. And... Uh, I think our dog has a, a raccoon treat over here. Angie went over to shoot it out of the tree. Okay, maybe not. She is armed, though. She's she's packing. So, uh, 
Let, let's do look at verse 16 of chapter 1. Chapter 1, 16. After Ruth goes home, or I'm sorry, after Orpha goes home, in verse 16, Naomi cleaves to Naomi. Uh, I didn't say it right. Ruth cleaves to Naomi. In verse 16 through 18, this is her vow to Naomi. And uh, since Jim's listening, he'll remember we actually, I think we said this vows in uh, Chris and Lauren's wedding. It says, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. My people shall be, nope, thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. And so, uh, even though uh, Moab borders uh, Israel, uh, they were from the town of Bethlehem. And uh, I didn't look it up. I'm guessing uh, 60, 80 miles maybe from Moab, the border of Moab to uh, Bethlehem. So Ruth and Naomi, uh, Ruth makes these vows to Naomi and uh, they leave Moab, and it's because at the end of this, uh, Naomi hears that the Lord is providing bread for his people in Israel. So Naomi, God puts it in her heart to return home, and uh, if, if you know the answer to this, uh, type this in, uh, Naomi doesn't want to be called Naomi anymore. She wants to be called something else. What, what, do, what do they want? What does she want to be called? Uh, she says in verse 21 that she went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. So she went out with her whole family in hopes of, you know, getting away from the famine. And oh, Angie, Angie got it. It's Mara. And uh, Jim, I think uh, Angie beat you. Uh, thanks for dialing in. Uh, Jim and Sherry are out of town for the weekend, and so we're glad you can get away, but uh, glad we're connected uh, virtually. But uh, the word, Na the name Naomi means pleasantness, but the name Mara means bitterness. And so she left Bethlehem with her family. And uh, her husband and both boys are, are buried in uh, Moab. And so she comes home with Ruth the Moabitess. And so she tells everybody, hey, just call me Mara from now on. I, I was pleasant, but, but now I'm bitter. I, I'm not happy. I, I've lost a great deal in the last 10 years. Um, and uh, at the end of verse 10, or I'm sorry, at the end of verse 22, it was the beginning of the barley harvest. And... Uh, I'll just share with you something interesting about barley. Uh, it's a grain like wheat, but uh, what I learned today, just on Wikipedia, it said that barley is where we get the word barn from. Uh, barn means barley house. So they would store their barley harvest in what we now call a barn. And... Uh, if you're listening, uh, you're from Cass County, you might even have a barn. I know my dad's got more than one of them. And so uh, I thought that was interesting. So this was a, a time of barley harvest, and that, uh, I'm not sure what time of year. I, I would say late uh, summer, early fall, kind of like wheat is around here or in Kansas. And so we're going to look at chapter 2 now. And uh, this is where we see uh, Boaz. And the name Boaz is mentioned 24 times in our Bible, and 22 of those times, nope, uh, 24 times in 22 verses. And his name means, in whom is strength. So it, it has to do with strength. And one of the things I read just said that Boaz was strong in grace, he was strong in integrity, and he was strong in his purpose. 
And uh, so this, he was a mighty man of wealth. We're going to read the first three verses of chapter 2. So if you got your Bible, we're going to see uh, Boaz introduced. Ruth chapter 2 and verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap, we use the word happenstance, like circumstance, her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And so this is uh, kind of full of, there's a lot of things here in these verses. I'll just share a few. Uh, Boaz was a mighty man of wealth. And uh, that's that's a way he is a type of Christ right there as we're being discipled. And um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to quote uh, Philippians 4.19. Uh, do you, can you say it off the top of your head, hon? Um uh, who shall supply all our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's not quite right, but he, uh, it's one of our discipleship memory verses that uh, God shall, he shall supply all our need according to Christ's riches, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So uh, Christ has riches and uh, we have need. And so uh, Boaz was a mighty man of wealth. So he was mighty. And that, that, that's what his name implies. He's uh, in whom is strength. And it, it says right here that he owns a field. And uh, you might remember... Nope, nope. <laughs> if you can see, uh, Zoe was nudging me for... He wanted, she wanted to be petted. But in Matthew 13 and verse 38, the Bible says that the field is the world. And uh, Jesus Christ owns this world. He is the true God of this world. Uh, Satan is uh, lowercase God of this world. But uh, So Boaz has a field. He's rich. And he is a kinsman of Elimelech. Now there's two different words. Uh, for There's two different Hebrew words for kinsman in the Bible. And uh, one has to do with being a relative, and that's obvious here. But uh, I'll give you a cross-reference of the another mention of it here in uh, Proverbs 7, verses 4 and 5. It says, uh, Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. It says kinswoman there. That they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words, and so I just think that's really cool that uh, as we uh, become related to wisdom and understanding, uh, it'll keep us uh, from the strange woman. So as we become related to uh, the Word of God and, and uh, God's teaching, then uh, the worldly things will be a stranger, the strange woman. It'll keep us from her. As we uh, become acquainted with God's Word, it'll keep us from her words. And then the other time, uh, it's found here in Ruth chapter three. If you want to look at Luke, uh, I'm sorry, Ruth three nine. It's on the same page of my Bible. It says, "And he said, Who art thou?" And she answered, "I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman." And this is a different uh, Hebrew word. And this word is actually translated Redeemer in several places. So this is why we call uh, Boaz Ruth's kinsman Redeemer. Uh, he was related to Elimelech through, uh, through her marriage. And now uh, he is going to redeem her. We'll see that more next week. But you may remember a famous verse in Job chapter 19 verse 25. Job says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. 
And so Job had hope of a resurrection and seeing his Redeemer uh, after <clears throat> the resurrection. And I just thought it was interesting. I'll just give you a definition. It's from a primitive root. The word redeem is. It's according to Oriental law of kins, uh, kinship. It's to be the next of kin. And it has to buy back a relative's property to marry his widow. It also has to do in any wise at all an avenger, a deliverer, to, uh, to perform the part of a near or next of kin. And it's to purchase or ransom or redeem or revenger. So anyway, I just thought that word was uh, so cool. So Boaz is not only kin, but he's going to be a redeemer for uh, Ruth, his bride, that we'll see next uh, next week. And then uh, the thing I think is so cool, and hopefully you see this work out in your life. I had two things at my job last week. As we, as we look at uh, Ruth, she just happened to glean in the field that belonged to Boaz. And uh, that's a miracle. If that, that's an Old Testament miracle right there. And Those are things that we can experience every day if we look for them. But twice last week on my job, I didn't know if I was going to have to order some parts for a job. And I found some parts that I needed uh, in storage. And I found some others at another uh, in another area. And so... It turned out I had everything I needed for this job, and it only took me like half a day instead of ordering parts and waiting and uh, taking several days. And so the person was happy with my work, and I got it all fixed for free. And uh, it just happened that I found these parts. I didn't know where they were until I was looking for something else, and there they were. And then uh, another thing, I had trouble. I put this $3,000 on a part on a machine, and it didn't fix it. And we thought we were going to have to ship it back to the manufacturer. and uh, But there happened to be a, a factory rep on site. And somebody uh, had them look at the machine. And the new part I put on fixed it, but it wasn't in alignment. And so, uh, anyway, that was just something I rejoiced for. The, you know, I didn't know that uh, manufacturer representative was even on site. And so I feel like God just blessed me... Uh, just so my point here is that uh, God is in control of circumstances and he uh, is uh, that was his provision for her and it was provision for me this week and uh, if you notice in uh, chapter 2 we're going to read verses 4 through 7 right now uh, Ruth chapter 2 verses 4 through 7 and behold Ruth, or Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? So he took note of Ruth, that she was a worker in his field. Verse 6, And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi, out of the country of Moab. Verse 7, And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheep, sheaves. So she came and hath continued, even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. And so, uh, uh, I'm not a gardener. I farmed a little bit, so I know a little bit about harvesting. Uh, not not really with uh, barley, but uh, evidently this was kind of a two-part harvest where the reapers would reap in the sheaves and gather bundles of the uh, crop. And, uh, and yet, uh, as they did that, as they did the bulk of the work, there would be some grain that would fall to the ground, and there'd be some uh, places that maybe they missed with their blades. And so Ruth and some of the servants, maybe more the poor people, would come along and glean. They would pick up the handfuls of grain that the reapers missed uh, or, or left behind. Now, uh, there... Uh, I, I know this a little bit from my grandmother's garden. 
if you have tomatoes, there's kind of maybe three parts to the harvest, and uh, and and I think it's so, it's it's true with uh, vineyards with uh, grapevines that they have what they call the first fruits. They have some fruit that ripens early, and you can go out and and pick with with tomatoes. It's like you pick the red ones first, while the main body of the the main crop is still green, and then you come along a few uh, days or weeks later, and you harvest the bulk of it, uh, and then uh, undoubtedly there's uh, always a few that uh, maybe are still not ripe, and those are the gleanings. So in the Bible, there's three parts of a harvest. There's first fruits, there's the harvest, and then there's gleanings. And uh, uh, just so you know kind of where I'm going, this type of Boaz is uh, with Christ, the first fruits Christ took uh, up to heaven. He he was uh, the firstborn among many brethren, and he, uh, I think it says that there in First uh, Corinthians 15, that he was the first fruits of them that slept. And uh, the the rapture, we believe, is the main harvest that's coming up any day now. It'd be cool if I got raptured just sitting here, and uh, my phone would run out of power and end where it does but uh, and then there'll be a gleanings that's kind of the tribulation saints that'll be uh, raptured or uh, 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 take it taken out uh, and then and then at the second coming so uh, that's a little bit of uh, some prophecy there <clears throat> so one thing, in, uh, notice there in verse 7 that Ruth actually asked, can I glean here? Can I work here? So <clears throat> that's something good uh, we can see as as a type of the church. We need to be seeking where the Lord would have us to uh, glean. Uh, <clears throat> and then in uh, verses 8 through 12, <clears throat> uh, I don't think I'll read all these for sake of time, but Boaz asked Ruth to abide with his maidens. <clears throat> so Mo, Mo, uh, Boaz has maidens, and that, that pictures fellowship that uh, Ruth has with other maidens, and so we should uh, have fellowship uh, one with another. And uh, in verse 9, look at the very first of verse 9. Boaz is talking to Ruth. He says, Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. And so our eyes are to be upon the field, and uh, I don't. It says there at, uh, in the rest of verse nine. <clears throat> he says, "Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn." And so, not only does Boaz provide for Ruth, but he protects her. He, he said, "I told the young men not to touch you." This was a fair damsel. She's very vulnerable. She's a single lady. That's, uh, I think that's what uh, Lauren did her dissertation on was uh, just the protection of uh, young ladies uh, coming into a church. And uh, that's one thing as a pastor that uh, I'm sensitive toward is to protect young ladies or single ladies. And so she was very vulnerable and uh, Boaz protects her. Just like Jesus protects us, that's that's actually a promise that He makes. <clears throat> and uh, in verse ten, this is so cool. Ruth realizes that she found grace in Boaz's eyes. And uh, you know, as we think of Memorial Day, uh, you and I didn't bleed and die for our country, but some people did, and we're beneficiaries of that. And so uh, it's. Uh, by grace that we're here physically, but uh, Christ bled and died for us, and we're going to observe a memorial to Him next weekend with the Lord's Supper, but um, we found grace in His eyes. Uh, grace is simply unmerited favor. We, we, we haven't earned it. We don't deserve it. And uh, if you've ever been, uh, our daughter used to go to a dance class, and uh when we would watch their performances or recitals, uh, certain ones of them just were, they could uh, move very gracefully, right? You think of a ballet, you think of the, the, the ballet dancers, they're very graceful. And what that means is 
they can just kind of move across the floor effortlessly. They're, it just takes very little effort. They can jump and spin and do all these things. And uh, so that, that that's how we come to Christ, is we, we do it effortlessly. Um, <clears throat> uh, because we're beneficiary. It's unmerited favor. And so uh, Bo- Ruth was able to get his favor and obtain his grace. And verse 11, let's do read that. Uh, when our son went to Albania, th- this was his verse that God used to uh, help him make the decision to go. We kind of left it to him. Our son was in Albania for nine or ten months back in 2004 and 2005. And here it says in verse 11, And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how that, and how thou hast left thy father and mother, or and thy mother, and the land of thy nativity, and are come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. And so our son looked at uh, going to Albania like leaving his father and mother, Angie and I, and the land of his nativity, the United States, and traveling to Albania to a people that he knew not heretofore. And uh, those churches that he worked with there uh, are still uh, uh, open and prospering. And uh, so we're thankful for that time that he had then. And he's that, that helped equip him to uh, work with the youth that he now does. And so... Uh, Boaz desires a full re- verse twelve. Boaz desires a full reward for Ruth as she trusts in the Lord God of Israel, and so that's what we desire too: is a full reward. So that's another way that uh, Boaz is a type of Christ. Christ wants us to have a full reward. That's what Second uh, John uh, chapter one verse eight says. Uh, in verse thirteen, verses thirteen through seventeen, we won't read them, but look at verse thirteen. It says, Then she said, let me, uh, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me. And so uh, Boaz comforted Ruth. His words comforted her. And uh, that should, a uh, little light should come on in your mind. Uh, uh, the comforter is the Holy Ghost. Uh, our Boaz, Jesus Christ, has given us the comforter. And he speaks friendly words to her, just like uh, Boaz spoke friendly words to Ruth. Uh, Christ gives us friendly words in his word here. And then he invites her to dine with him. And it says in verse 14 that she ate and was sufficed. She, she found what satisfied her at the table of Boaz. And I'm sitting at a table now and I've got the word of God open right now. And it is very satisfying. And uh, that's what Ruth did. In verse 15 and 16, it says that she was able to glean hands full of purpose. I just think that's a cool way to say it. She found purpose in uh, helping feed her mother-in-law. Maybe her Naomi uh, was too old to maybe glean now. And so Ruth, uh, Boaz actually had his reapers leave uh, extra grain there for Ruth to pick up. And uh, she found hands full of purpose. That's just a cool saying. So we need to keep on gleaning. It says she gleaned till the evening, and so should we. And then uh, 18 through the end of the chapter here, Ruth goes home with all this grain, and she shares the good news with Naomi. Hey, Naomi, I've, I've met this guy named Boaz. And Naomi sparks up and says, Oh, man, he's a kinsman of ours. And so they have fellowship around this grain, and uh, Ruth shares the good news of the gleaning. Uh, Boaz is the Lord of Harvest, and uh, uh, Ruth is to continue with them until the end of the harvest. I just thought that was cool because in Matthew nine thirty seven thirty eight, let me read this to you as we close tonight. 
uh, Jesus tells his disciples, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And so as we're talking about Boaz's harvest and allowing Ruth to glean there, he's got his reapers, he's got his servants, and uh, he pays special attention to Ruth, and she's able to uh, be there with her mother-in-law until the end of, it says, the barley harvest and of wheat harvest. So it mentions the wheat there with the other maidens. And so uh, this is just, uh, uh, I just think uh, all this is just really rich, not only in what a cool story it is that in the time of the judges, nope, nope, <clears throat> that uh, God tells us this story. And uh, let me give you just a little more about Boaz in conclusion tonight. <clears throat> Boaz had to fulfill the law in order to redeem Ruth. And that happens in Ruth chapter 3 that we'll look at next week. But uh, there was a kinsman redeemer law that uh, the, the next of kin needed to uh, have raise up seed with the uh, wife of the deceased. And so just like Boaz fulfilled the law in uh, becoming uh, Ruth's redeemer, Christ fulfilled the law. He is the end of the law to all them that believe. Boaz was a kinsman redeemer to Ruth. And we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. <clears throat> Christ, uh, this, this is Galatians 3.13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And so it was by His blood that He redeemed us. It means to be bought again. So we'll talk a little more about being redeemed next week. But uh, essentially, Boaz purchased Ruth. It actually says that in, in Ruth chapter 4 and verse 10. This is probably the key verse in all of uh, Ruth. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among the, his brethren and from the gate of, this, of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. <clears throat> so Boaz purchased Ruth. And uh, just as we said about Memorial Day, freedom isn't free. Uh, being purchased is not free. Redemption always costs something. And so he bought her just as Christ, uh, the Bible says in uh, Acts 20, chapter 20, uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, that God purchased the church with his blood. And so it was actually God's blood that Christ bled that he purchased the church. It says in Ruth chapter 4, verse 15, that Boaz was a restorer of life. He gave life to Ruth. Ruth, uh, her uh, prodigy, her, her uh, ancestry would not have been had it not be for uh, Boaz. And so as a type of Christ, Boaz is the Lord of the harvest. He's the master of the servants. He's the redeemer. He's the bridegroom. And he's also Ruth's life giver. And so Ruth became Boaz's wife. We'll see that next time. Just as we're, we are the bride of Christ. That's what Ephesians 5.23 says. And uh, this will be a little bit of a uh, spoiler alert for the eighth person in this story. Boaz is actually Ruth's... Uh, no, I'm getting confused here. I think my note says Boaz is actually Ruth's second husband, just as we are in the devil's family before we come to Christ. And so... Uh, this gives uh, credibility to uh, being married again uh, in the Lord. Uh, but the spoiler alert is that there's actually someone that's closer of kindred to Ruth than Boaz. And so we'll talk about that next time. Uh, 
Boaz did not force himself on Ruth. He waited uh, patiently and let her come to him willingly. Uh, Boaz is also... uh, This is kind of cool. If you uh, have ever read the story of Solomon's temple, in, in the front of Solomon's temple, he has two pillars like goalposts in front of the temple and he uh, Solomon names them he names one of them I think it's uh, uh, Jachin and he was a priest he was named one of those pillars was named after a priest the other is named Boaz and that's a wild thought because we're not exactly sure why Boaz named that pillar Boaz or Solomon named one of the pillars Boaz but uh, you know, on some of our buildings, sometimes there's a placard with the name of an architect. Sometimes uh, they have the name of donors on a pillar, and so it's kind of a cool thought that this wealthy, uh, strong businessman Boaz, his name ends up appearing like uh, three or four generations later uh, on the 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 pillar of the Temple of Solomon in Jerusalem, and so uh, could it be that Boaz helped uh, provide uh, monies for the tavern, the temple? Could it be that uh, he helped design uh, some of the the architecture of it? Uh, it's a little bit left up, but it's really cool that uh, God preserved uh, Boaz's name in that way. And so uh, uh, next week in Ruth chapter 4, we're going to see that together... The intimacy between Ruth and Boaz as a married couple, they have fruit. And we too should have fruit as being the bride of Christ. Uh, It turns out that uh, they have a child and they name uh, his name Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. And David was the father of Solomon. So some three or four generations... Uh, and if you follow that on down, he is in the genealogy of Christ. So Boaz and Ruth were in the genealogy of Christ. And so uh, these are some uh, really rich things, I think, about uh, this story of the book of Ruth. Uh, don't miss the fact that uh, Boaz met Ruth gleaning in a field. So if you're listening to me and you're a single man or woman... Get to gleaning. Get in with the Lord's harvest. And maybe that's where God will bring you your your uh, future husband or wife. <coughs> Excuse me. In, uh, at their marriage, the, the marriage was blessed uh, with witnesses. And that's what uh, Hebrews 13.4 says, that marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. And uh, so Ruth and uh, their public wedding was blessed and honored. Ruth became King David's grandmother. It put her in the lineage of Christ. And that's in uh, Matthew chapter 1. We may start there next week. That might be a good place to start. And then the last thing I'll say here today, uh, brothers and sisters, is that uh, in, in Ruth chapter 3, Boaz rose up at midnight and spoke with uh, Ruth. And so uh, we, we talk about the midnight cry. We, we say this is the 11th hour, the time before the bridegroom comes for his bride and steals her away privately. Uh, and so that happened in the book of Ruth, that uh, Boaz rose up at midnight. Now, uh, that's really all my lesson tonight. And we got some dogs barking in the background. Is there any prayer requests? Okay. <clears throat> well, that was the first two chapters of the book of Ruth. And uh, we'll pick up with uh, chapter 3 and 4 next week. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you, Angie, for uh, filming this. And uh, we're signing out here from uh, Silver Lake in Raymore, Missouri. Uh, God bless you. I'll, uh, yeah, let me just uh, pray in closing here and then we'll uh, finish up. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this uh, story that's more than a story. And uh, 
it's uh, words that are more than just words, Lord. That uh, I even see in the, in the name of Ruth, it's it's real closely uh, related to truth. So there's a lot of truth in Ruth, and and Father, just uh, thank you for these words. Thank you for the example that Boaz is of uh, our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. We just want to uh, ask your blessing on the <clears throat> on the. Uh, hearing and the, the reading and the teaching of your word. Pray you continue to have your good hand upon life issues as well as the journey class and the Harlem Baptist Fellowship as we endeavor to glean souls for your harvest in these last days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> That's it. Thank you for dialing in. We love you guys. Bye. <clears throat>